the Bitterfly Podcast. Knowledge is food, bitches. Eat up. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. I have my Kent homie and comedian friend on, Reggie C. Hello, hey, hello. Hey. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. Reggie is my friend from high school who does comedy, loves writing and performing jokes, and now he lives in Portland mm-hmm. with his beautiful girlfriend. They just celebrated their four-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Who's kind of, I say we have, a, um, you know, we're, it's not an associate's. We're, we got a full-on bachelor's degree in Levin now. <laughs> that's what I was pushing for. I was pushing for four years, you know. That's how you know it's real. <clears throat> it's a full-on it's a respected degree, but it's, it's funny. Cause I, I've heard you talk about relationships a lot and I, uh, I just always think we, we've just, we know too much about each other. It gets like to a crazy point. Like literally we went to a party like a couple months ago and we were eating and we ate all this food and I came home, we were in the car on the way home. And I said, I told her, I was like, Hey babe, I was like, my stomach really hurts. I had too much of that pork belly. And she goes, you always overdo it with the pork belly. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that's such an obscure, like esoteric thing to know about somebody. Like I, and I was like, you're right. I do. I always overdo it with the work belly. And I couldn't believe she even knew that about me. It's just too much. <clears throat> yeah. You're reaching new heights though. Yeah. You've graduated from the associate's degree. You just got your bachelor's mm-hmm. in long, mm-hmm. long-term relationship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Reggie works full time, but he likes to write jokes and perform stand up on the mm-hmm. side pre COVID. Where were you performing your jokes? Tell the people your Instagram so we can follow you. Like, yeah, well, that's so nice. Thank you. Thank you for the plug, the hashtag plug. Um, yeah. <laughs> from Kent, like she said, so I did a lot of comedy at the Tacoma Comedy Club. Shout out to my friends who saw me out there. And I did a lot at Seattle Underground, which is a really cool comedy club. And then I moved to Portland and I got to do like two shows at Helium, which is a very popular one here. Like open mics. I just got on stage. I mean, nothing special. I'm, anybody can do it. But pretty much since I've been here, like six months later, COVID hit and it's been pretty dry and nothing's open. But it's been great. I'm at Comedy Reg on Twitter and Instagram. And I'll be sharing this podcast, obviously. Comedy R E G G. R E G G double on Insta. So what got you into comedy? I mean, I'm fucking stoked you do comedy because I've always <laughs> thought you were hilarious, but I'm glad that like other people are gonna get to hear your jokes too. So like what got you? Uh, what made you think good... I'm funny enough? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> to my do friends stand up. They, just, they catered to me too much. No, my friends were just made me think I was funny. My mom, she was just amazing. No, uh, <laughs> really, my mom thinks I'm funny. Uh, no, but for real, I think it's just it's such a self-centered thing to do. Actually, I think it's just like you literally want to have a one-sided conversation <laughs> where you say things and people laugh and they don't have to respond and you don't have to listen. That's it. It's just the most conceited thing you could ever be interested in. <laughs> but for real, I think. <laughs> I think it's really, for me, it's like I can talk about serious shit and say a message like today, maybe, you know, hopefully we'll talk about some real shit and you can still like, you can spit facts and like make people laugh at the same time. And so like a lot of idols of mine, like Dave Chappelle and stuff, like that's what they do. They're, they're making light of serious shit in our world and country. And that's what I'd love to do, obviously. Yeah, I think the best comedians take something like incredibly awkward or embarrassing mm-hmm. or like fucking tragic sometimes that we can all relate to and put like a lighthearted spin on it. Yeah, do you have any favorites? I'm actually curious. Like, who are you? Like, who do you actually watch like specials of? I also like Dave Chappelle. My sister's baby daddy's trying to get uh-huh. me into Eric Andre. Sometimes it's oh, yeah. funny, <laughs> it's very <Sometimes>. absurd. <laughs> 
He's out there. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I just gotta. I just want to shout out Beth Whitney. Cum- who? Whitney Cummings. She's Whitney great. Cummings is fucking hilarious. Actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been listening um, to her podcast too. Oh, actually, <laughs> say what you will about Louis C.K. Whatever, mm-hmm. total creep. But mm-hmm. his 2017 Netflix special was fucking hilarious he joked about abortion he Uh joked about fucking how the christians won everything because like what year is it it's like jesus plus 2017 years yeah that's true i I will say i'm the same way i think he's a comedic genius he and he knew how to like he knew how to get right to the line and not cross it on stage yeah, but but well, off stage, not in fucking real life. <laughs> not yeah. in not. So it's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Total creep. Uh, Glad we know that now. But yeah, no, yep. that comedy special was fucking hilarious because he was mm-hmm. basically like, yeah, I think women should be allowed to kill babies. Like mm-hmm. I just do. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because later when we get into religion, like I uh-huh. think he he's like, I'm raising my kids to be non-religious, but I always mm-hmm. tell them when you meet a Christian, congratulate them because they won everything. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> That's exactly right. I think about that joke all the time. It is so weird. It's literally AD. We're in AD now. That's yeah. it. After like death. after the death of whom? You know? Yeah. And he's like, and ISIS is over there going, kill all Christians in 2017. It's like <laughs> hilarious. I, yeah. I think BC now though too is also before COVID. That's how I like to say oh, it. That's literally, when I yeah. Doing comedy. BC. <clears throat> BC. That's where we were. Going to movie theaters. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, are you talking about 2020 BC mm-hmm. or AC? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what are your favorite adulthood jokes to make now that you, you know, yeah, now that I've been in the adult been life. around the block? Yeah. What yeah, are your favorite things to make light of? <laughs> it's fun. Cause I think, um, you know, you and I are like the same exact age. So we're in this weird like stage of like adulthood where we're like, we're kind of figuring it out, but we're not. And like when we were in high school, do you remember like thinking you, when you were 25, you were literally going to have 26, whatever. You're going to have your whole life figured out. You're going to be in your career that you're going to have forever, married and three kids. Oh, Did you think that? I mean, no, but. <laughs> like maybe when you're like middle school, like. I like knew some so people awful. who were going to hope for that. I actually yeah. always had fears of like living alone. I was like, oh my God, someday I'm not going to live with my family anymore. Oh my gosh. Like... Out? Oh my God. For me, it's just like, it's just like, I just see my childhood die like every day. Like <laughs> as soon as you say to someone, um, I would kill for that commute. <laughs> like it's over. Your life's over. Just pack it up. You have no childhood joy left in you whatsoever because you just, that's it. And, for, and like, I was, you know, I remember getting a Game Boy Color Christmas morning. Eighth, I was eight years old or some shit like that. Pokemon Crystal. Shout out to the Pokemon nerds out there. Got it. I was so hyped. It was the best feeling I ever had. And a couple weeks ago, we got a new place. We bought some granite. And nothing beats putting granite countertops in my <laughs> I'm genuinely so happy about it. Watch HGTV on a regular basis. It's, I'm, my life is over. <laughs> it's just over. <laughs> And then I try to do real adult shit too, like trying to like upgrade your life and do great things. And you want your partner to do that too. I try to like budget, you know, and I have a budget on Google Sheets and it shows how much I spend on this and how much I spend on that. And I thought it would like influence my decision making. Um, but it's just a blog of bad decisions. <laughs> it's, it's just documentation of how I have no self-control. <laughs> That's literally all it is. It doesn't do anything for my improvement of my choices. I was going to say, anytime I've tried to budget, it just makes me feel bad. <laughs> I'm just like, this is, now I have physical evidence, right? Yep. There's a paper trail now that yeah. I am a shitty person. 
but yeah, it's 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 a weird time. I just feel like we're at a weird age, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening are also around our age, and it's just like we're all figuring it out, you know. <clears throat> Dude, yeah, you hit 27, and it's like I guess I get why there's a 27 club now. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you just you reach like a fork in the road, and it's like mm-hmm. I either acquiesce or mm-hmm. I don't i guess yeah that's so true <laughs> it's like you gotta we, i mean pretty much like 27 28 you're probably you've turned out to who you're going to be for a lot of your life like you're you're kind of you're like this is who i'm probably gonna be for a long time <clears throat> personality wise yeah i like to think there's some room to grow but yeah i think a lot of yeah the decisions we've made that have led us here this is me and this is who i am so, uh-huh. so you're making adulthood jokes mm-hmm. But you're also a man. So do you like you have any bits about masculinity? I kind of mm. wanted to ask you about that, like feminism, any jokes yeah. inspired? Yeah, I think that's like a big part of my repertoire because it's a big part of my life. I think a lot of people, especially like people who are comedians or even musicians or whatever you if you're an artist, whatever you might do, you really just got to do what you know. And I grew up with three women, so I always I make jokes all the time about periods and and being outnumbered <laughs> by women and all these things. Um, it's just it's just funny because for me, I like realized who I was pretty young. I'd say like high school, I really was like, you know, I'm not afraid of doing womanly things, quote unquote. What's considered feminine, or you know, I'm emas- I'm not going to get emasculated, which is just a terrible word in general. Like I. I was in musical theater. I sang all the time. I've cried in every single Pixar movie I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, it's like completely fine. But it's just, it, what's humorous about it is that we we all know how a man is supposed to be. Yeah, so that toxic masculinity yeah. brand. It's, it's exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, it's dangerous, like how it affects people in childhood and mm-hmm. like boys bullying boys and you have to fit into this like manly box to kind of get validated as your gender. It's so true. Yeah. I think that's cool that you realized early on that you didn't have to succumb to the stereotype. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't though. I think that's the big issue. It's like, for me, I'm like, I felt completely comfortable within myself to do whatever I wanted, but not in middle school, not in elementary school, you know, when really you're imprinting on other people all the time. So for me, it was always just like, toughness you know as a kid it's just like how how tough can you be you know you can't have emotions unless it's anger you can't be like a woman you can't be gay you can't be this or that and it's just so like confining i think i told you about this ted talk i love this guy named tony porter and all he he calls it the man box and that's it's really the best thing it's like you gotta fit in this box and it's just so restricting yeah it's so restricting and i think like men who adhere to the traditional like masculine cultural norms like risk taking and and violence and dominance and like need for emotional control or or like an extreme comp like competitive spirit they always tend to be like a little more sad or or fragile (laughs) or something like I really, I feel like they definitely struggle with like body image, probably like poor social functioning, substance abuse. I don't know because yeah, that box is so constraining. Mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, it's like the typical like sitcom dad. Yeah, I was just saying uh, we're watching, we're rewatching Stranger Things, and the, one of the dads in there, he doesn't know anything about his kids. He doesn't even talk. He like grunts, like that's all he does. And I've seen like the the Jimmy Kimmel on the street where they like go and they ask the dads on Father's Day to answer questions about their family. 
Have you seen that? And they no. ask him like, what, what, what are your three children's middle names that are like right in front of them? Or like, what's your <laughs> children's birthday? And they have no idea. And the wife's right there. And they ask the wife and she tells them everything about them. Their oh yeah. Cause friends. the mom <laughs> always knows everything. <laughs> the mom knows everything. And it's just so true. It's like, you can't even care about your children. That's not being manly, quote unquote. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, toxic masculinity is not only harmful to men, it's harmful to women. Like you're saying, you know, like women have to like pick up the slack of like this emotional toll. Yeah, it's an emotional toll. I think men who really adhere to that toxic masculinity end up leaning on like the women in their lives and nobody else because they like can't show anyone like their vulnerability. Of course. Yeah. It's like virginity. It's like you literally, (laughs) when you're a boy, I mean, you got to pretend like you literally were banging while you were watching Sesame Street. (laughs) Like There was never a first time. It wasn't scary. You weren't nervous. It's just like you've always been having sex forever. It's like, what? And you can't tell your friends. You may be your best, best friend, but that's it. Otherwise, you just pretend. Yeah, it's like you said, it's harmful to women, though. I always I wanted to tell you this story about Kent. And when we, when we grew up, not our high, not either of our high schools, but a third high school in Kent, there was a female like math teacher or something, and she had sex with a like. Oh my god, Reggie! You remember? <laughs> that like was my ex boyfriend from seventh grade. Actually. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> no, you're full. I of didn't shit. know you were gonna tell this story. That is my oh, fucking seventh grade boyfriend. I remember no being like, "Holy fuck!" He got a blowjob from his teacher no in the parking way. lot. No way. That's what happened. Well, here's, let me tell you my perspective. Just okay. because I was a Kent person, we had enough mutual friends that I found both of these people on Facebook. And I haven't even told this story in so long, so I was like so excited to tell you as a Kent person. On the teacher's page, who was a woman teacher, there was like hate comments and people like, you should, you're going to go to hell and you're awful. How could you? This is statutory rape, blah, 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 blah. And on the boy's Facebook page, were like gifts and praises and boys, high school boys and college boys were like, you're the man, you're so fucking awesome, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's like so blatant. It's hilarious. Yeah, we live in a world that, like you're saying, they kind of like praise men and shame women mm-hmm. for the same fucking thing. Exactly. Yeah. No, but I do know some friends that had her as a math teacher and uh-huh. like apparently she was really nice and really hot. Uh-huh. And she was going through a divorce, so she was very sad. And he just, like, preyed on the vulnerable. <laughs> Jesus. I, I mean, you know, the crazy thing is I don't blame him. Like, because like, I was in high school. Like, I wanted to bang, like, three of my teachers. Like, of Oh, course. absolutely. I, I have that fantasy, too. Oh, like, my God. I'm bummed I never, like, hooked up with a college professor. <laughs> like, uh, it's too late now. <laughs> Jesus. I know. That's what I said. We're getting too old, man. I was, like, I was talking about um, cougars. And it's like, shit, I'm pretty much tied down. I have lost my opportunity to bang a cougar. And also, I'm getting too old now. There's not even going to be a big enough age gap. It's not even going to be like banging a cougar. It's going to be like banging my peer. (laughs) (laughs) I just fucked a colleague. There's no like age difference. There's no like taboo at all. Where do you think these sexist attitudes come from? Are men and boys just the victims of this cultural brainwashing into like being kind of misogynistic and aggressive and shaming women? And like you said, literally since watching Sesame Street, like lost their virginity, like it was no big deal. Yeah, I I don't know where it comes from, but I mean, it's just, it's really roles. You know, we're, we're told exactly how we're supposed to be, both men and women. So I heard the example in um of like a young a girl in another country and her dad was walking her through the mall and there was like a 
a toy helicopter, like a little drone type thing. And she really, really wanted it. And her dad wouldn't let her get it at all. He bought her a doll instead or whatever. And it like thwarted her curiosity for science and, and technology and stuff. And she ended up like working for NASA, you know, from another country. She was going to be the next big engineer. And you could have completely swamped that. Or, you know, for me, I know my dad would never have let me be like a fashion designer or a dancer or like a, you know, something like that. Like you never know if your your child is going to be you know, the next big thing that's outside of their gender role. And and if you're like, try to force them to do a certain thing, then you'd never give them a fucking chance. That's just ridiculous. I really think it starts at home more than anything. I think it's all child rearing. I think that's where it comes from. As parents, dads pass it down, moms pass it down. You need to be the person to like stop the chain. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you think that we're going to do that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big ass undertaking, but if you have any suggestions... I mean, my example is I don't have any kids or anything like that, but I used to work at the Boys and Girls Club as my college job. I remember I would work with young girls and young boys, like first, second grade. And I just always remember like a little girl would fall down, scrape her knee or something. And I would just like immediately run over there and try to like coddle her and be like, it's okay, you're going to be fine, blah, blah, blah. And then a boy would do it. And I realized this in like the first few months, like 19 years old. And the boys would do the same thing. And I'd be like, get up. You're fine. You're tough. You're good. And they'd get up and they were fine. And so then you come to this like dilemma of like, do you, you know, nurture every single student and um, to try to make it equal? Or do you treat them all like they're tough? You know, you got to do one or the other for equality. And I decided I'm like, I'm, they're fine. You find out, you know, if you don't react like, oh my God, you're hurt. Let me come, let me come hug you and hold you, baby girl. Oh my God then they're most likely going to be fine anyway. And I think that was how you can personally do it for youth is, you know, treat everyone the same. Yeah, and, come at it from a more like feminist perspective yeah. that like everyone is the same regardless of their gender. Like. Yeah, and and the problem is it's like baked in, you know, like I didn't think to do that. That was like automatic, you know, I I automatically went to the little girl to like, take care of her and protect her because that's my job as a, a man, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I don't even think I was ever taught that explicitly. It's just something I knew. It's how, it's what you see. Right. You pick it up from social cues, like mm-hmm. starting from a really young age that yeah. like men and women get treated differently. I mean, what was your experience? I mean, you told me you had, you got a couple sisters and a dad, you know, like how did that go in terms of being raised? Do you feel like you were raised to be this caterer towards men? You know, like, how did you break out? How did you break out of that by now? You know, good question. I think it was a little bit different in my house because there were only three girls. There was no yeah. like a little prince, like son <laughs> of my father. So it's just us three and my mom and we had two girl dogs as well. So my dad Jesus. is just fucking surrounded by estrogen uh-huh. everywhere. Um, I just think like there were so many emotions in that house. Mm-hmm. I think that like he probably lost some toxic masculinity over time where he was like, okay, it's fine. Everybody's crying. I can cry. You know, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, that's great. But I mean, not everybody's like that. You know, I know yeah. I mean, a lot of people have daughters and it doesn't even affect their, you know, womanizing or anything, you know, they don't care <laughs> at all. They don't, they can't even like connect the logic that their daughter is going to be an adult woman out there in the world that men are going to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly how you're treating women right now remember a while ago aoc got some congressman yeah called her a bitch among mm-hmm. other things i was just being like a total asshole yeah and somebody was like standing up for him by saying like oh well he has a wife and daughters like 
as if that for some reason negates his misogyny. Everything he said. Yeah, it's like saying, and, um, saying oh, I have a black friend. Okay. Yeah, like like proximity doesn't mean yeah. anything. You could have like 25 daughters and mm-hmm. still be a dick to women. I really appreciated her quote, like having a daughter doesn't make you a decent man. And Not um, at all. Yeah, I think it's kind of odd when people stay married to their toxic masculinity regardless of having like connections to not just men you know the world is like half women so it's like more than half women more than half women like (laughs) y'all are gonna have to deal with this like i don't know we don't have space for this it's not serving anyone do you have any like specific experiences with toxic masculinity just kind of like stand out from your childhood sure yeah uh yes i do i have plenty like um I remember this is what I was talking about with toughness. You know, this is what we're we're talking about. Like, this is how it gets perpetuated. You know, like I had two, I had a stepbrother and I had an older brother and both of them just used to try to toughen me up all the time. And I'm just like seven years old, skin and bone, literally like a bag of antlers. Like that's just literally what my body was. <laughs> it, was it. it was just like light straight, as a feather, <laughs> light as a feather. I was just a straight up. I was just nothing. I was just so scrawny. And but they were like, okay, we'll give you $5 if you let your stepbrother punch you in the chest as hard as you can. So I'm like, of course, I'm a, I'm a seven-year-old man. I'm a tough man, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle this. But I was like, I, I, luckily, see, this is what I'm saying. I knew myself early because I was like, I was like, you know, I was like, can I hold a pillow? That's good. So I, held, I had two <laughs> pillows in front of my chest. And so we closed the door so my parents couldn't see. And then my brother, like, gets ready and he, like, cocks back. He's like, 13 years old and punches me as hard as he can in the chest and it doesn't actually hurt that bad but i get like launched back because i'm i'm literally the you know paper and i hit i hit the back and you know that little like brass like lock on a doorknob yeah that hits me like right in the spine like Alone. and i'm just like Ugh. and then they get right in my face and they're like are you crying you better not cry and like tears are like welling up but i'm like holding it in like as hard as i can but i like can't even sit up straight because my spine is so injured <laughs> i literally like lean on this uh, lay on my side and a tear like comes out of my <laughs> eyes and they're like you bitch you bitch you're not getting the five dollars and i'm like i'm seven <laughs> you know i'm like I'm just- I was like, it was just gravity. Like, that's the worst part. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's interesting that, like, these young boys in your Mm -hmm. life were like, Mm -hmm. we need to train, like, another one of us to be strong. Uh, Like, it's like a personal responsibility of ours or something. It's a fraternity. I mean, that's really what it is. The whole the whole of society. So now you're an educator and you mm-hmm. work in a female dominated field. Mm-hmm. You work in education mm-hmm. and you're from a female dominated family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How is that? <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's funny because I don't think, you know, I, I know that a lot of the guys I work with are similar to me, you know, and I know a lot of the guys who go into different fields might not be, but it's funny. Cause I, I, this year was the first year I had like a male, boss like my the big big boss at the college i work for is a, is a guy and i've always just worked for women all the time and like i said my i mean my mom and my sisters were really around most of the time and my mom would go to work all day you know and work at night sometimes come home and cook us dinner and 
you know, let us cry about our day. I had like, I got broken up with in eighth grade, you know, it's like serious shit, you know, um, <laughs> awful days I had. And so she was my nurturer and she was like caretaker and hard worker. You know, it's like, I saw her do everything. Um, as well as like taking care of the house and trying to show me how to tie a tie, you know, at the same time. I think I always grew up like looking up to powerful women. So I think it was really easy for me to be in education and do that. Um, but yeah, I had, I mean, I had, I feel like I had more women teachers than I had male teachers. It's a very female dominated field, you know, but the higher up you go, you know, looking at professors and looking at presidents of universities and deans of colleges. There's more men, isn't there? Uh, there is, of course. It's, it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's like cooks. It's like cooking is like a womanly thing to do. You know, and if you cook your if you cook at home, you're you're a wife or housewife, or or if you if you're a woman who's uh in the kitchen, you're a cook. But if you're a man, you're a chef. You get that like fancy title, you know. It's it's mm-hmm. like such an interesting thing to like put that twist on that. I always felt like that as well. I think it's good time to bring up the glass ceiling and the glass mm-hmm. escalator for these mm-hmm. people. The glass ceiling, ladies, is the unofficially acknowledged barrier to advancement in a profession, especially affecting women and minorities. And I would say it's like equal opposite is the glass escalator, which mm-hmm. refers to the way that men generally are fast-tracked to advancement in professions. Yeah, Um, that's so funny. I've heard that term before, too. And it's especially true in women-dominated fields like education and healthcare. You know, it's, I don't know if, so like for me, my job, like I said, like I feel like I do have an easier time as a man, you know, being able to climb the ranks and get titles like assistant dean or whatever it may be. But it's like that joke. There's like that, that joke about, um, the little boy is on a boat with his dad and then um, the little boy like falls in the water and passes out and he wakes up um, in the hospital and he founds out that his dad died. But then when he gets there, the doctor's like, oh my God, that's my son. And it's like, how can that be when his dad drowned in the boat? And the answer is that the doctor is his mother, but no one, you don't even, it doesn't even cross your mind to think that like if the dad's dead, then how could the doctor be in there? Because doctors are men. It's like those crazy, just baked in things when it comes to these, you know, fields. Interesting. I've heard that before. And I yeah. think before I even would have guessed that's a woman, I would have been uh-huh. like, oh, he has two gay dads. Uh, 100%. And I hate that. That's where my mind went. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Uh, it's just... It's it's just it's deep seated, you know. But yeah, yeah and I, we don't really see the opposite of the glass escalator for women and male dominated professions. You know, mm-hmm. like women don't like oh. glide on up to the top in um, engineering. You know, engineers or whatever. You know, <clears throat> true. Yeah. Right. So, harder. have you ever had conversations with people, other men, about mm-hmm. you know acknowledging things like the glass escalator or the glass ceiling? Like, how do you even approach that with someone who's like, no, I just worked hard. I don't. It's that's not because whole, I'm a man. That's a whole nother like can of worms with just us believing in America that everybody can pull themselves up by the bootstraps. And you, if you're just, I'm more hardworking than you, then I'm going to get all the jobs. And there's no, there's no starting line or advantages that you can have or disadvantages that you can have at all. It's like, it's just like the wage gap argument that happens all the time. And I had, I mean, I had millions of arguments about that all the time. I like to put my energy towards people who are at least willing to listen and are, you know, open-minded because if we have enough people who really 
you know, think one way, we can kind of change the whole community, society, state, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. What are your suggestions for like, if somebody listening gets into a conversation where they're like, I want to talk to you about toxic masculinity, but I feel you are at best narrow-minded about it. <laughs> at best. Like, <laughs> at best you have a, at best there's a little, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, you know, I, one, I don't like to pretend like I'm an expert at, by any means, but for me, like Really, it's just well. Like what's sad talk. about it is like yeah. you are a man, and so uh-huh. like if you're talking to another man who mm-hmm. is you know toxic masculinity, like <laughs> not going to listen to a woman about this, mm-hmm. like you have more power in that conversation than say if I try to talk to that person. Um, yeah. So like, how do you how do you approach that? Yeah, you know that's a great point. I that's the more I think about it, you know, I have many friends who I like to call out as best I can. I think the problem is people nowadays with everything, and we I know we've chatted about this too, like with social media and everything, like people just are so confrontational and just want to fight. And everybody's on edge right now, I think, with the pandemic. It's like it's like everybody's in road rage right now. It's like everything anything can literally just like <laughs> so pop. It's, true. Like, it's so true. It's like it's like when you're in traffic all the time, you know, you're more at, you're more at risk to just go crazy and ballistic. And right now everybody's stuck at home and they don't get to see their friends and they don't get to watch movies. They don't, you know, they don't get to go on dates and go to bars or whatever. So for me, I like to I like to just say, what have you ever thought about it this way? I just think that's the best thing. It's like I'm like, have you ever thought about why you what do you have? Do you ever thought that maybe you just assume that women women are supposed to do this for you, or you just assume that you'd like X Y Z, whatever the case may be? I think it's like always like trying to let people just make people aware of their assumptions. You don't even have to tell them. You don't. You shouldn't be telling people this is how you should think. You know, you should be a feminist for X Y Z reason. Never really works. You know, it's like, hey, maybe think maybe think about it this way, you know, or did you ever really can, like break down why you think about your teacher that way <laughs> or whatever it may be, or that job, a career path that way, or your daughter that way, or your neighbor that way, you know? Um, and I think that usually works for me. And I've had great healthy re- conversations like that with my friends. Well, you and I also grew up religious in suburbia, <laughs> so hella religious can't. parents. And I yep. was just thinking about this, like, have you ever seen a woman pastor? Rarely. Like, or yeah. a woman... Well, women can't be priests, actually, in Catholicism. Wow, they're nuns. So, like, th- there's another, like, male-dominated field oh, yeah. that oh, doesn't yeah. have all a All of religion? Like, literally all of religion. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you think religion perpetuates, like, toxic masculinity? And, yeah, like, of course. I mean, of course it is. So, I mean, God, it's like God is a man. Jesus is a man. All these, every pastor and priest and deacon and whatever it may be in your church, you know, it's, it's totally about that. It's funny to me. It's, it's, it's always been funny to me that it's so obvious, but you never, ever question it, you know, when you're growing up in the church, like whatsoever. Straight up. Yeah. I think it's funny because like, (laughs) I think a lot of people from Kent in suburbia just in general would have this disposition that you and I have which is like Mm -hmm. that was a lot it was maybe too much my parents thought I wouldn't be a good person if I didn't have like the fear of God in me or something that like morals can't be taught isolated from religion they go hand in hand and while I do think that like growing up religious probably you know the Ten Commandments aren't the worst like okay don't lie don't steal don't covet another man's wife you know, <laughs> all that shit. Like, yeah, it's good, but I, yeah. What was your experience like growing up? Um, 
with the fear of God in you. Uh, did you go to church every Sunday and yeah, shit? I loved it. I loved that shit. I did all the, I mean, I memorized all of the, all of the books of the Bible. I knew all this stuff. I was really good at it too. And I was really proud of it. Never, ever questioned it once in my youth at all. You know, I never thought to myself, huh, Mary just absolutely got pregnant out of nowhere. And, you know, and then she just said, oh, well, it's God's baby. I'm Dude, sorry. It's like, that it's like scared a, the <laughs> shit out of me, to be honest. Literally. Just a sidebar. <laughs> I remember being like, oh, my God, she didn't even do anything. And she oh got fucking God. pregnant. God like, did. is this going to happen to me? Like, Jesus, scary. She should have done a paternity test. It's literally an episode of Maury. That's all it is. <laughs> that's all it is. I just can't imagine being Joseph. Like, that's what I always say. Just like going and I literally... I literally did like a Christmas special a couple of years ago and I had to play Joseph for like 10 minutes on stage. And I was thinking to myself, how could I, I could not, if my girlfriend came up to me right now and said, Oh, I'm pregnant and it's God's baby. What the hell? You're fucking duped, homie. Oh my God. What do you think? I was born yesterday. I'm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be out of here. There's no way. There's no way. it's, It's funny because there's just a lot of things for me, like, that I, I thought was hilarious is our generation of parents, I think, was just so gullible with everything and believed everything blindly. They you know? were very brainwashed. They were like, yeah. just work hard and you'll succeed mm-hmm. and and God mm-hmm. helps you. And that's like the weird thing about it, I think, is that when good things happen, like praise be, and when bad things happen, like that's on you. <laughs> and I remember I, as a kid being like, what? Uh, uh yeah that's so true i mean that's what i said it's the same generation that like believed in flintstone vitamins made me eat chalk every morning (laughs) knew that it was like literally the best thing for me on earth yeah Yeah. actually it's funny too because i i i think i mentioned this a while ago but my mom one day read an article that said that pokemon cards were japanese demons that's what pokemon were it was like a christian article so she came in and threw out all of my pokemon cards in fourth grade and speak about being an adult that's when I, that's why i've been an adult for 15 years because i became a grown man right there i lost all my childhood wonder <laughs> as soon as she took that away it was over um, but literally so she felt bad after a while and literally got me christian trading cards literally and i got so excited about them and i loved them but nobody else had them on earth so i literally played i had to play against my mom <laughs> And I'm literally like casting the plague of locusts on my mom. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, here, I, uh, I'm going to use the Noah's art card. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, mom, I was like, what is going on? It was, and it, that's just how it was. It's like, it's like, Hey, if this is wrong, I couldn't watch Harry Potter. You know, it was like, that was it. I missed out on a whole thing of our generation. Like there's a bunch of Potter heads in the audience. I bet, you know, I was like, that was not something I could do. I was like, but I could read the Bible, you know, and there's literally murder in chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> But little witch boys too much. <clears throat> <laughs> For real, yeah. Cain and was there Abel. anything your parents? Yeah, was there anything your parents did? Uh, took away from you. Well, the thing that was weird about my parents uh-huh. is they let me watch shit for like. A certain period, like uh-huh. from like zero to to however old I was, zero. and I started noticing things. Uh-huh. And then they were suddenly like, "You can't watch Grease anymore. You can't watch The Simpsons anymore." After you had and already seen them. After I'd already seen them, they started noticing that I, instead of just like you know, like my eyes on the screen, like I started mm-hmm. like hearing what they were saying and asking questions. Mm-hmm. And I can remember there was this one time, my mom had 
a minivan that had a VCR mm-hmm. player in the back. And oh, I would oh fucking bump Miss Congeniality like every day. Like wherever <laughs> we were going, five minutes, an hour in the car. Like I was watching, shout out Sandra Bullock. I was watching Miss mm-hmm. Congeniality. And there's this one fucking part where Miss New York is like, she runs out on stage and she's not supposed to be out there. And she's just like, oh, I forgot what she says, but she basically says like, I'm a lesbian. And, and then the yeah. whole crowd goes, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. And like her girlfriend stands up in the crowd and she's like, I love you, baby. And like, I just, I'd seen it millions of times before, but I was suddenly like, mom, dad, what's a lesbian? No and then when they're just like, like fucking toxic Christianity, they were like, uh-huh. huh, we don't know. And they like looks at each other like, do you what? know? No, I don't know. <laughs> what and do you mean? Like, what the heck is going on? And they were just they like, just I don't know. Ignorant. They handed me a Bible or something instead. And I was like, wait, <laughs> Did you find, how long did it take for you to find out for real? I literally don't know. I think whenever I got access to the internet, probably Uh like within a few years, I I remember making a mental note. I was like, this is very odd. How do my college educated white parents not know this random word? They have no clue. They've been watching Miss Congeniality like with me, you know, and all of a sudden they're like, we don't know. We're not sure. They probably laughed at it every time. Yeah. And so I just, I didn't even think it was a thing, but yeah, I think like, with the weird 90s parents being brainwashed i i truly believe they were like if emily knows about this she might be one and that would be the worst fucking thing ever in this lutheran household for us to deal with it's just like can't risk it can't risk it no knowledge as if like those feelings would come to me just by like knowing a word you know it's like so weird um so that was an interesting experience. And also just like the sex negativity of growing up yeah. Christian. They're yeah. like, you know, they teach girls like, you're so precious. Your body is a temple. Like you give a piece of yourself away when you get intimate. Like sex is for marriage. Like uh-huh. all this shit. Did you experience that? Of course not. I'm not giving anything away. You know, I could just, it was just like, get. that's what's so weird. It's like, I, I feel like it wasn't something that was preached to me explicitly. Like, obviously they said, wait till marriage all the time. Yeah. But the problem was the rest of the society was teaching me opposite. So it's like, <laughs> such, it's like, get out there, you know, it's like, it couldn't be fast enough, you know, to, to yeah. get rid of your virginity as soon as you possibly can. Totally. You know? I feel so bad for women that grow up uh-huh. in like a Christian environment because yeah. they're really taught to like, suppress be suppress <laughs> be super picky you know i remember someone at some point saying to me like never have sex with anyone that you wouldn't want to have a baby with as if like that's yeah. going to happen if i ever do that and i just remember being so scared and yeah. You know, with the fucking Mary story, I'm like, is it going to happen anyway? Even yeah. if I don't do it, well, might as well. Then. I might as well because it could happen any day. Like the Holy Spirit is just going to fucking impregnate me. Like, oh my god. <laughs> when did you like? When did you break out of it? You know, like when did when did you, were you just like you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to go out there and be out there. You know, I'm about to go. I'm about to go let some explorers explore my lady cave. So your girl was very young. Uh, uh-huh. I look back now <clears throat> and there are a number of things where I'm like, I really engaged in a lot of like risky behavior. Like that was not probably the best decision for me at the time. Mm-hmm. But I was like the oldest of three. Like my parents were busy with my sisters and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I got some exploring to do. So I had sex at like 14 and I just remember like mm-hmm. fucking praying to the same God that uh-huh. fucking terrified me being like, please don't let me get pregnant. I really oh. can't. 
this. Yeah, you do. You do pray. You do pray when you really don't want shit bad to happen. You know, I still find myself praying on the airplane every time. <laughs> I'm like Jesus. I'm like, just keep this plane afloat. You turned water to wine, keep this plane. And then you feel guilty because you're only praying for yourself. And I'm like, well, I'm praying for everyone on this plane also. You know, and also I'm praying, it just keeps growing. It's like, I'm praying for my family. <laughs> and like, well, actually I should probably pay for everyone in America, actually everyone in the world, all yeah. the poor people everywhere. And then you're just like, I just pray for everyone to stay safe for this four hour flight, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I need. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah, I think it was a, really interesting experience. Um, the last time I went to church was for like mother's day when I was like 17. And that, that was like, that was what my, my mother wanted for mother's day. She's like, please just come to church with me. And yeah, I remember nice. the pastor at this like non-denominational shit was like talking about like mothers in the Bible and the mm-hmm. m- motherly love and whatever. And, and then it just turned into like an anti promiscuity conversation. He was just like, sex is for marriage. That's how God made it. (laughs) And like, yeah. How did it come? They didn't listen to Nelly Furtado, you know, that's what they got to do. Promiscuous girl. me. You know what I want? Shout out to 2006. And I got what you need. (laughs) Banger. (laughs) Banger. Hey man, we are out there. (laughs) Yeah. So you not only grew up religious, but you also uh-huh. went to a Lutheran university for college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From a big public high school to a small little Lutheran university. It's funny because I think it was really progressive because like I remember getting there and I remember like the first day I go into the bathroom and there's literally like a brown paper bag in every bathroom full of condoms. <laughs> and so a lot of colleges were not like that. I, I've worked at like Catholic universities and I've been to many of them and like they have a lot more restrictions on them and like they check the rooms at night. Like it was not like that at all. And so I was able to like be at a place where like God was kind of around with chapel happening and some of the songs we sang, you know, um, in like the music department and stuff. But really it was kind of, it, it really was just like a progressive liberal college, you know, because we're in the West Coast. And what was funny to me is you had to take two religious classes. And so I took one on the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament was like my global one. So we learned about a bunch of different religions, but like studying it, was crazy because when you when you start looking at the bible from like an academic sense and not from like what we were talking about like the brainwashed parent sense our our parent generation it's totally different it's like it really kind of shakes you out of like all these things you thought of like oh yeah he probably had we know now that he probably had epilepsy he probably wasn't (laughs) he probably wasn't possessed by a demon you know it's like and it's just so crazy and it's like yeah jesus jesus was alive and he was probably real and here's all the things that we think are right real and things we don't think are real but then you go and talk to your parents about it and you're like well i heard about this and then they just completely deny it and that and then it just makes you question everything and i think we have the internet and all these things to really like do our own research and it really makes it totally different and i just want to i just want to figure it out for myself you know i think that's the biggest thing that you and i and me and my like sometimes my siblings and my my partner and my friends talk about it's like i just want to be able to figure it out for myself and i don't want somebody telling me what really is the case because nobody fucking knows (laughs) i mean that's the bottom line nobody really knows and i'd like to just go into life and, and figure out what I think is. I would like people to start admitting that they don't yeah. know, because I think as yeah. a child, that was like my uh-huh. biggest issue. Like one question would get answered. Mm-hmm. So dissatisfying. Yeah. And that would just lead me to more questions. 
that yeah. couldn't be answered. Yeah, the older I get, the more I'm like, I know the fucking secret to life. And it yeah. is that no one actually knows what's so going true. on. It's crazy that you were like already questioning shit. I feel like I literally was so blind to that. But then like when it came to like Santa Claus, I was like, this motherfucker is not real. <laughs> but I believe that Jesus was real. It's so funny because I, I, I want to know if you remember this as a kid. I would watch the news on Christmas day by the way santa it's funny that santa has completely hijacked christmas which is supposed to be a religious thing too which is great also um but (laughs) that's a whole other story but literally we're watching i'd watch the news and they would show santa on the tracker they would like track him like he's going through florida now and he's in china you need to be Uh... and i remember thinking to myself as a seven-year-old boy like there's no way news people would go through all this trouble just to trick kids He's got to be real. It's got to be real. <laughs> and I actually was like, you know what? He's actually real. I think I'm like some like de- I'm deducing shit like uh, in second grade. Like, no, nope, yeah, you're right. He's probably real. They wouldn't do this to just trick kids. They're not that evil. So what was the like unraveling of your um, your religious experience? Like, yeah, that's and that's what that's what's so interesting is I feel like it's there's no like big thing. Like I saw this and like I feel like a lot of times it's like one defining moment that will turn you toward religion. You know, you like have a near death experience or, you know, you die, you like die, like you drown or come back and you're like, okay, it's real and I'm going to be religious or you go to prison or whatever. But I think if if the other way, it's just, it's like, you know, you just meet a lot of people from different backgrounds. You read a lot of fucking books and you read the internet and you learn a lot of things that make you feel like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe this one group of people doesn't know it all, you know, and maybe I, I need to explore some more before I decide what I believe in for sure. Because, you know, I still have my Bible all, all on me all the time and I still look at it from time to time. But, you know, for me. Oh, really? Okay. I do. From I, I have like, well, my dad, <laughs> this is another thing about fathers and sons. <laughs> it's like my dad's just like, here, you know, here's, we should go on the men's retreat, you know, the men's, the men's gospel retreat. Or here's like, here's like a daily prayer for men type things. You I'm know? like rolling my eyes right now. I know. And it's just, I mean, those are the things that like they get passed down because this is how you be a man of God and all these things. and like we've talked about it's it te- a lot of things are good there's a lot of good like moral things that you probably should follow but does everyone necessarily need that that's where i would say no for sure like i i'm sure there are plenty of people who are completely never grew up with any religion and are better people and better humanitarians than i'll ever be <laughs> that's a fact right i mean there are a number of <laughs> shitty people in the world that are devout like religious folks so and it's opposite yeah so that's you just can't yeah i think you just can't generalize everything but for me for me it's really just you know again we're out here every day as late 20 somethings and we don't have it all figured out and i can laugh and i can enjoy the things i enjoy and i can watch porn And I'm good. <clears throat> yeah, no, I was going to say going back, like, I think when we went from living in like smaller tribes to like mm-hmm. larger groups as, as human beings, mm-hmm. when we started living in groups larger than like 150 people, yep. and I couldn't possibly personally know everyone in my social group, religion yeah. was really important. It was like, yeah. how do I know I can trust you? Yeah. If I ask you who you believe in and you say the same idea, the same thing. I can immediately know I don't need to know anything else. Like our interests are 
aligned for aligned. the most part. Yeah. I can work with you. I can trust you with my things or whatever. And I just That's wonder cool. if we have evolved past that. You know, we're still, like we're still we're so tribal still. I mean, we're it's like black versus white. We I, are, but we have black. other things that kind of bind us bind us together exactly. um, into our social groups, which is For funny because sure. like as people are parents age still, like those boomers, and mm-hmm. they are still very, I think, entwined with like religion being a common denominator in a lot of their like social interactions and sure. and where they people like they enjoy spending time with and. um People our age are like, do you use TikTok? Yeah. We go to brunch on Sunday mornings. That's our church. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. I refer to like bachelorette nights mm-hmm. with my girlfriends on Wednesdays as church. People ask me to <laughs> sorry, hang out. Go and I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry I got church. There's a lot of good scripture to be had there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's true. I say we're, we're gaming tonight. Sorry, I got Bible study. Sorry about it. <laughs> so I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, random question for you, Reggie. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times people are like, talking about their their negative triggers like oh when i hear this or i see this like it, it makes me sad or mad like but on the flip side like what are your positive triggers what in life makes you feel like things are going to be okay with or without a god to believe in you know what i mean like what yeah wow that's you sleep at deep, night the deep questions you know it's funny because i feel like everybody the older you get and like in our society too like everybody's got anxiety and insomnia and all these things you know for me it's just like I can really be happy when, you know, I talk to someone and we've talked about this already, you know, I can have a conversation with someone and say, I don't have it all figured out and I'm totally okay with that. And I think for me, the only positivity I can is that, you know, I'm just being a kind person because I want to be and I'm going through life meeting other people who I can have a good time with you know, whether that be partying or, you know, just sitting on the couch watching Netflix or having a deep intellectual conversation. I think just connections for me is is really all it is that keeps yeah. it positive. Yeah, totally. Like just leaving the world a better place than you found it, whether it's like sharing an idea or like helping someone with something mm-hmm. and you don't need... <laughs> the fear of God to like Mm. do those things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know there's like this Napoleon quote where he said the religion is the only thing keeping the poor from killing the rich but like why you know (laughs) true keep people happy that's true my favorite conspiracy theory is that everything is going to be okay good yeah I agree I want to follow I want to put a tinfoil hat and believe that just go around (laughs) and tell people just get a big sign just get a big cardboard sign everything is gonna be okay like literally everything is gonna be okay we all just need to believe that yeah my boss my old boss used to say a woman powerful matriarch looked up to her kept us grounded and she used to always say it's all gonna work out in the end and if it's if things are bad now it's not the end and i'm always like that's great i was like that's a good that's a good outlook to have Yeah, totally. And there's like some peace in not knowing Mm -hmm. everything. Stay questioning. Always questioning. Stay questioning. Do random acts of kindness and fucking meditate. Totally. And meditate on your toxic masculinity and why you're not a feminist (laughs) yet if you are not yet a feminist because we Mm -hmm. all should be feminists. Okay. 100%. Read Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Check out Tony Porter's TED Talk. Change your mind. Boom. Yeah. Well, thanks, Reg. Loved having you on. Everybody, go on Instagram right now. Search Comedy Reg, R-E-G-G, 
and watch this guy stand up. Instagram's basically where he's hanging out right now for his stand up comedy during, you know, the AC after COVID uh, 2020. <laughs> <The> pandemic times. <laughs> pandemic times. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, Rad, for being on. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Good chat and deep Good shit. Good chat. Love you, man. That's all we talk about around here. Yeah. Love you too.